everyone, and welcome to Happy Not Satisfied. My name is Dan Morrison, and I'm the founder of Happy Not Satisfied and the host of this podcast. Uh, so today I have an incredible guest, somebody that I met in sort of a circuitous way. Um, he was the working with a professor of mine, I'll say, and just really, really <laughs> impressed me a lot very quickly. He was the valedictorian of Loyola Marymount University, and he gave this commencement speech that I happened upon um, that you can find on YouTube. And, oh, you listened uh, to it. Oh, I, okay. of course I listened to it. That was the thing that I was like, all right, this Christian guy, he's out of something. Um, he's founder of a media business startup called Moolah that we'll talk about and just a very impressive young man, <laughs> if I can. So, um, Christian Jackson, welcome to the podcast. Well, Daniel, thank you for having me, man. This is it, a circuitous way of meeting is a good way to describe it, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. And when I first met you, it was walking into class with Paul, who is the professor that we both know and love. <laughs> And I figured not because you looked old, but just because of the way you presented yourself. I was like, oh, this guy's like, you know, in his 30s, he's got it together, he's got it going on. But then I started to piece things together that you were probably not as old as I thought. <laughs> and you just told me that you had a birthday. And, and how old did you turn? Newly minted 23. 23 this, man. this man is 23 years old. And you, I mean, you would not guess that from his maturity, his drive, what he's doing with this company and just everything about him. I mean, I watched him give a speech in front of a room full of 150 people at a banquet recently, and it was like he had done it his whole life, which maybe he has, but the guy's, the guy's got it going on. So <laughs> we're excited to have him on the podcast today. We're going to talk about all kinds of things, um, but I would love to hear just quickly about your company, Moolah, and kind of what that is, how you got it started, how you started it so sort of young, I'm guessing even probably while you're still in school, um, any of that I think would be super fascinating. Yeah, I mean, do you want me to start off a little bit about me or about the business, which which, which was more interesting? No, well, you're more interesting, but I want uh, let's start about the business and then we can go from there into more about you personally. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, so Moolah, Moolah Finance is really just all about making the creator business simple, right? And I grew up in Los Angeles. I grew up around the media space. And as much as my father, who is a actor and uh, attempted stand-up comedian, as much as he wanted us and the kids in front of the camera, I just decided to fall in love with business and everything behind the scenes, right? So Moolah is really just the connective tissue for new media, really doing a good job of managing all the back offices for individual creators and small production companies. That's, I mean, that's a really clever idea. When did you think of this? You know, what's funny is Paul, I've thought of this idea in Paul's class. So for anybody that doesn't know, which is 90% of people, Paul's class is literally just articles. We just get sent a little bit, a few articles every week to read. And when I was in his class, I received an article about this woman named Lee Jin. And she was a venture capitalist that was investing in the crater economy, or as she coins it now, the passion economy. And at the time when I was in Paul's class, I was working in venture capital at the moment. That was going to be the full-time thing, 100%, after I graduated from Oil and Marymount. And I read this article, and I thought, wow business and venture tech, but still has a great pulse on the entertainment space. I'm going to look into this. 
So the idea came about from me just doing some research in the creator economy and realizing there was a ton of ways, a ton of ways. Oh my gosh, you can name 500 startups now that help creators monetize and publish their content. But when it comes to treating them like actual business, doing your invoicing, your taxes, your accounting, all your back office stuff, that really is the most annoying part of the whole thing. There's not a ton of support. Everything's still pretty opaque, confusing. And I looked at some of the options on the market and I thought I could build something better that's more refined for this specific type of customer. So that's how everything came about. And a year, year and a half later, here we are about to wrap up my time up in Santa Barbara with Paul to close a small raise for the business. And then we'll go about scaling everything when I move back to Los Angeles. Nice. Yeah. And I can tell you as someone who has their own sort of entertainment adjacent but definitely creative company that stuff is super annoying and i yeah i think there's a huge demand for that so that's that's exciting but so going beyond what that is which is cool but like how i mean were you looking to be a founder before this all happened uh how did you even kind of know about entrepreneurship so much at such a young age because for me i mean i didn't get into it until a lot later and I didn't even know what it was. So what do you attribute mm. that mindset to? That came from my father. That came from my father. So as I said, yeah, my dad's an actor and a stand-up guy, right? But his day-to-day, -day, what really supported the family was his transportation logistics business, which mm. he's had since before I was born. And I got to watch my father go through the ups and downs of business for the same company, for over 30 years now. Uh, I wasn't alive for those 30 years, obviously, but 30 years. And uh, I just saw the freedom that he was granted. Yes, obviously it's unstable income at times, but he was granted a lot of freedom to coach kids basketball games, to do all pro dads, to just be around the family, travel with us. If we want to go see family, he might be working on his phone. He might be busy, but he was still there. He was still present. And I decided that's something I wanted to provide for my family when I was older. And I guess it was kind of weird to be thinking about that when I was a senior in high school, but I knew that I wanted to have my own business because I didn't want to have to be stuck on someone else's schedule. I hear that. So do you feel like you could always relate to your peers? I'm just curious because you say as a senior in high school, I can't even <laughs> in a million years imagine having that thought myself. And I know, I mean, I taught high school students and I, you know, bless their hearts, but I don't think a lot of them are thinking that way either. So just getting a little bit more into your mindset and how you like what makes you tick and what your your day to day thinking is like, mm -hmm. give me a peek into Christian's brain here. A peek into my brain. So to answer your question about relating to my peers, that's that's no problem. That's that's fine. You know, 23 yeah. year old, 22 year old, still 23, 22 year old. Right. Um, when it comes to speaking about career and life aspirations, so on and so forth. Uh, I, I have noticed since graduating that I, I do look at things a little bit differently. Uh, I'm not going to say better at all. It's just different. Sure. Um, I'm very much so, I'm not risk averse to any degree. I'm thinking right now I have no kids, no wife. I don't have a mortgage. I don't have any you know, have hardcore things, rent or debt way. to pay off. Exactly. I, and you know what? You're doing a tremendous job. No, it's great. Job. I mean, you I'm 35. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. You have your things set up in the stable. But for somebody like me, when I don't have all the same stability, I can go out and take some bigger risks. I can go make some leaps. I won't have that ability in 10 years, most likely. I mean, I'll have to talk to you how you got everything off the ground when you did. <laughs> um, but I won't have that flexibility. It will be a lot more difficult. Mm-hmm. It will be a lot more difficult no matter which way you cut it. So I have a lot of conversation with my friends now. And because I kind of come from more of a creative brain, uh, most of my close friends are photographers, designers, brand people. And I have some of them that go to do consulting, right? And it's a great paycheck. It's stable. But you know that's not what they want to be doing full time. Right. And we talk about it all the time. And my job as their friend is to be like, hey, what are we doing to extend your entrepreneurship? What are we doing to extend on your photography? How are we selling this? How are we going to get you some more clients for your brand gigs? So on and so forth. So the relating to the peer is not an issue. Um, but I do obviously, I, I take I take some umbrage with getting a stable paycheck at 23 when, you know, this is the only time we'll have in our life. Most likely. Most likely, it'll be the easiest time, not the only time, the easiest time to go throw some loose loose nickels at some ideas. Yeah, and I, I mean, I agree completely, but I think what I notice about you is the fact that you are open to thinking that way. Because I think what you're saying is totally correct, but to recognize it while you're in it is pretty rare. Like people always say youth is wasted on the young, right? It's like in in <laughs> hindsight, maybe people would have done stuff a lot differently when they were younger, knowing what it's going to be like when they're older. And, and to recognize you're living in this like rare moment where you can take some risks, I think not only is important for you, but also I'm glad that we're like saying this in a public forum where other young people can hear this and maybe get some confidence in at least trying some things, you know, and, and taking some risks when they're able to calculated risks and nothing crazy. But, um, I think it's really important. And and a lesson I wish I had learned a little younger, to be honest. I'll, I'll add on to that point too, because one of the things that Paul and I will talk about a lot is just time. Even if you have a full time busy job, you still probably have some time to start figuring out, okay, I can expand. I can, I can spend six hours a week on this creative idea that I have, where I think that could turn into something that's bringing me some income. Six hours a week isn't a crazy amount. It could be a fun six hours a week, the most activating creative part of your week and you'll enjoy it. Right. And one of the things that Paul and I talk about is just being beware of things that take up too much of your time. While I was with Paul, I had an opportunity that I was really excited about to potentially, the way everything kind of fell into place was a bit wild. I just closed the race for Moolah. I was over the moon, cloud nine. The next morning, I get a phone call about a potential different tech opportunity at a billion dollar real estate development fund already. And I go, wow, this is pretty crazy. I talked to Paul about it because we're pretty transparent about things because I would have had to leave him. And he said, do what you think is right. Just be aware of things that take up too much of your time because you're really young and you're not going to have this much time on your hands in the future. So just time accounting. Time accounting is something that I think about a lot because you can always burn yourself out and you'll look back two, three, four years later and be like, whoa, where where'd all that time go? Yeah, and I think a little bit on the other side of that, but also in line with what you were saying when you're like, well, if you could find six hours a week or whatever to do something, it's a lot about priorities as well. And I think 
even people who are really, really busy, like I would consider myself one of those people in my former job, it would be mm-hmm. not unusual to have like a hundred hour week, which was, you know, insane. Um, but there's still, it's a matter of priorities because if you want to find time to like exercise and take care of yourself, you, you can, if you want to find time to work on a side endeavor, even if it is a little bit, I think you can, I think it's just, it's easy to get overwhelmed and then just turn off the possibility of doing anything else. And I think it's very rare to be completely stuck and unable to do anything. So that's been my experience uh, in terms of time mm-hmm. and, and priorities with time. Um, I think that's super interesting. I also think just to give context uh, to people listening, we're talking about this guy, Paul, uh, Paul Orfala, who's the founder <laughs> of Kinko's, who, who knows a thing or two about business. And he himself has been on a couple podcasts, sort of too, yeah. uh, keeping it real, if you will. He's a, he's a very interesting, knowledgeable guy. So um, a, a lot to learn from him. I've, I learned a lot just in his class, and I'm sure Christian, being with him every day, has learned just, yeah, a lot. Yeah, um, yeah one, of the, one of the things, I'll, I'll, the last thing, not to belabor the point, but time assets versus time debts. If you can think of everything you work on as a time asset or a time debt, is this going to save you time in the future or is it going to take up more of your time in the future? That's a good way to start, you know, training that time allocation muscle. I love the way you put that. I often think about decisions in my life as what my future self will feel about it. And so that's kind of like what you're talking about with your future and time. It's, you know, whether you're talking about trying to eat healthily or exercise or do something for work, like I always think, am I making a good decision for my future self? And for me, that's always a really mm-hmm. powerful question if I can remember to ask it, <laughs> you know, because every, everything's all this stuff, like mindset and whatever, you're happy, not satisfied. It's like, it sounds great, but like remembering to do it consistently and really having it be ingrained it's it's insanely difficult even for the that's most... the hard part I, by the yeah. way happy not satisfied is a tremendous phrase man when you said <laughs> it the first time i said that is that's a keeper I'm glad that you that like is it. going to stick with me for a while yeah yeah i'm glad you like it please use it as much as you would as much as you would like um so move it, pivoting a little bit, and I, I warned you, I guess, about this, and I just I ask every guest about it because I think it's super interesting. But um, obviously, very young guy, but has had a lot of opportunities, and, and you're creating a lot of opportunities for yourself. And it, maybe your peers or whoever could think like, oh, this guy, gosh, he got lucky. He was born smart, and he became valedictorian, and you know, all the, whatever you can go on and on. So, what are what's a time you feel like you created your own luck? Ooh, I could probably give you a couple. I could give you a couple. The best, the best examples all coming in college, right? So I went to a college called Loyola Marymount University um, in Los Angeles. And one of the benefits of going to a school like that, 9,000, 8 to 9,000 undergrads, it's not too big, not large. So I had the opportunity to meet all the faculty in my major. In me doing that, and I was very, very, very persistent about getting in touch with faculty and building relationships with them because they have cool things to say. They're always welcome. They're always open to helping you out and giving you opportunities. A lot of students struggle to get internships or opportunities while they're in college, which can expound to things after college. 
I was lucky enough because of how much work I put in that freshman year to stay tight with the faculty to just get inbound opportunities for internships eventually. So whenever a company would come to the school and say, hey, we're looking for someone to do this, I don't think I said no to a single opportunity. I, I had I, I had two internships at the same time at one point. Mm-hmm. Like that's how much I was doing. But because of that, what really probably changed the directory of my life, career, and thinking, which is one reason I've moolah now even to talk about, is because I kept saying yes and kept being placing myself in the position with these faculty members to be suggested opportunities. When a VC fund by the name of Blue Bear Capital, not Blueberry, Blue Bear, mm-hmm. uh, came along and asked the entrepreneurship department for any M- MBA level intern that they were going to suggest. Dr. David Choi, the man that runs the entrepreneurship department, he sent them over some MBA candidates. He also sent over a little sophomore student's uh, name and said, hey, he's kind of interesting if you want to talk to him too. And that does not happen unless I take on those three to four internship opportunities before that, just say yes, try to do as best as I can in those. And as a result of me doing so, these these guys at Blue Bear, they said, hey, come on in next week. Don't They even asked my resume because they were like, this is probably just going to end up going nowhere. They said, drive to the office next week. They grilled me for 90 minutes. Hardest interview of my life. Most memorable interview of my life. Um, and gave me a shot. They gave me a shot. i never forget one of them said the first day I started, he said, we'll see how long you last. And I said, don't worry, I'll last. <laughs> and that was going to be my... Great, great people, by the way, like tremendous. If if you anybody's looking into venture, wants to get really good, grounded, solid private investment advice, these are the people. Um, but because of that, I was able to meet them, work with them for a couple of years. That was going to be my full-time job after I graduated until I met Paul. And they really changed my whole way of thinking about business, venture, startups. And without that, I don't have the mindset to think about the article I read in Paul's class in the way that I do, which leads me to not starting Moolah. So that all came from luck. A sophomore, a sophomore student getting a chance to be be an MBA level intern at a VC like that just doesn't happen. So that was luck. And without me placing myself in those spots, that wouldn't have happened. So yeah, it was, you can call it luck, but it was, it was creating your luck, right? You, you, may not have known obviously you didn't know it was going to lead to that exact outcome but you were consistent and persistent with your pursuit of how you approached school and your professors and it sounds like it really really worked out and something else that's interesting and you know talking to people on this podcast and all these successful people in different places like there starts to be some through lines of of consistent things that pop up and the first person i ever interviewed his name was andrew carlberg um he actually he won an oscar uh, for mm. producing a short film. And he said the same thing about saying yes to things and like attributes getting to where he is and working on, the, you know, the highest end projects because he would say yes and just take on things. And even if it wasn't perfect, it was like you're making relationships and you're building. And I think that's an important message because sometimes people will say, well, you have to learn how to say no. And, and that's true too. But I also think you have to be- Very true. I think there's an element of like, you need to be 
developed enough in what you're doing and far enough along where you've kind of earned that right. And when you're coming up and you're trying to make a name for yourself or you're trying to really launch whatever you're getting into, erring on the side of saying yes, I think is going to yield probably better results. Absolutely. I, I think learning to say no is huge, especially when, like, let's say you're trying to carve out a niche for your brand or your personal brand and your work or your clients. It is important sometimes um, because sometimes they circle back and give you a bigger contract. But saying no to opportunities just for the sake of saying no or not recognizing. A lot of this also comes down to just synergizing. I think we did this a lot in Paul's class. How does this compound the things for me in the future? You know, mm-hmm. being in a synergized relationships and how things kind of all merge together is huge. One other piece of luck, I'm not gonna go into the whole background on this, mm-hmm. but if I didn't get 100% on my algebra sophomore year in high school math test, my final, I would never have met Paul. Never. What? I had to get 100%. I had to get 100% on a final. If I didn't get 100% on the final, I would have gone to A. I wouldn't have ended up at LMU because of a whole lot of factors. But that's one pretty funny piece of luck that I look back on a lot. So, so you said sophomore year of high school. There's a test. High school. You had to get a high enough grade in this test in order to have a high enough GPA in order to get into Loyola Marymount to then go through the whole thing and then become valedictorian and take the class and meet Paul and the rest is history. Is that is that somewhat right? Pretty much, pretty much. But I mean, even on top of that, if I don't get 100% on that test, I don't get the scholarship I get to LME, which means I don't meet the initial people that I meet, which then end up getting the job with Paul and then tell me to take the class with Paul soft, my fall semester of senior year, which is when he chooses an apprentice, yeah. all this stuff. And I wouldn't have went to LME in the first place if I didn't get that grade. So the reason we're talking right now really goes back to that fateful a uh, final test that I took <laughs> sophomore year of high school. That That is crazy. I mean, I think the takeaway from from both of your stories and just in general is you never know where different relationships or different ways you've impressed someone without realizing it could end up taking you in the future. And if you look at things mm-hmm. as every relationship is an opportunity, every conversation is an opportunity to get to know someone and, and build that relationship as opposed to like mm-hmm. a means to an end or trying to do some specific thing, you may you have yeah. no idea where the opportunities are going to come from, which I mean, I think definitely when Paul was speaking at that event and he was saying, if you stop worrying about like the money and all that stuff and you start being in the moment, the opportunity is going to come out of left field from somewhere that you just you never would have even expected yeah. and that's hard to convince your yourself eye. yeah that stuck with me when you said that the corner of your eye i've thought about that every day since um but it's uh, i think it the problem is it's hard to convince yourself that you can trust in that and that like the process is mm-hmm. what's going to yield the results and I, I, that's 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 tough for me i don't i don't know if you found that it's kind of um relates to this thing I talk about of like, I'll be happy once I a little bit where it's like, once I accomplish this goal, then I'll be happy. (laughs) And I was actually very curious to hear from you if you if you've ever experienced anything like that. Anything like like, so what will I be happy once I accomplish? Yeah. So like, for example, um, you know, I'll be happy once I raise the next series fundraising for my company or I'll be happy once I've made this much money. And like, you kind of 
almost don't allow yourself to feel the joy until you get to the thing, but then the thing doesn't feel as good as you thought it was going to because you weren't in the moment and in the process. Exactly. Do you exactly. have you ever I have, struggled I have, with that, or I have you feel like you're pretty responses. good with that? Okay, all right, great. No, oh, oh boy, I'm horrible at that. Me too. So there's two <laughs> things I can say to that. The first, the first thing I'll say is I, I, I probably haven't told anybody this outside of a couple of close friends of mine, but I'm pretty open about things. Yeah. So, and it relates really well to this question. So, as you mentioned at the top of the podcast, I somehow ended up. As, a, as someone who would skip class to go to work, I somehow ended up getting valedictorian at LMU, right? And I remember after I got that, <clears throat> I was I was in a big slump. I was pretty, not depressed, but depressive for a few weeks after that. And that really doesn't make sense, does it? You just got this big award, you're graduating, quote unquote top of the class whatever you want to call it i really don't i still don't think it's that huge of an ordeal but i could not figure out what was wrong with me and i had a conversation with a close girlfriend of mine and i laid all my cards on the table and she put something beautifully to work she said you're exhausted from not being proud of your own accomplishments oh my gosh i yes that's perfect and I sat back for a second. And then literally, a lot of the time, depressed, a depressive state comes from not being able to understand what you're sad about, right? Yeah. Almost immediately, I was like, oh, God, that's that's what it is. That's exactly it. Thank you. I'm good. I can figure, I can work on that now. And um, that stuck with me, man. And what I try to do now is, I mean, that's why I think happy, not satisfied is a tremendous, tremendous way to look at these things. If you have if you hold yourself to always looking towards something greater than what you currently have, like for myself personally, I've always looked at myself like four years later, what do I want to look like in terms of, you know, what have I accomplished? How do I interact with the world? What do my relationships look like? Uh, but if you do that, you always, always lose the importance of the present. Me living in Santa Barbara this last year has been huge. And Paul Sunlin is really good at this too. But I can just look around. I'm, I live a very blessed life right now. An extremely blessed life. I mean, you just think about, I mean, I'm happy to have the family I have. I'm grateful for the fact that I live in the West Coast of California, which is 90, better than 99.9% .9 of any other else to live in the world. What, like, what do I really have to complain about, right? So when you are able to ground yourself in some of those things, it gets a little bit easier and you have to appreciate the journey of it all. And the last thing I'll say to that in terms of what will finally give me fulfillment and when, what will I achieve that will bring me happiness? Business does not bring me happiness. It doesn't. It's fun. It's interesting, but it does not bring me happiness. Um, I don't love business right what i do love and what's been my i was again this is a bit lucky and i'm blessed to have this but soft my senior year of high school i had a realization that what i want to do with my life is i want to increase opportunities my north star is increasing educational career opportunities for the historically disparaged right people that have never had that leg up in a sense or have always had 
some factor of financial despair, dis- disparaging in their family. I think there's a lot of that in this country. It's not an I think, it's we all know. And I don't think the government will do anything about it. I think it's going to be too slow. So my whole North Star since senior year of high school has been to accumulate as much capital where I can throw money into the communities that have had this issue and get other people because I'm putting my foot forward to invest along with me. And once I'm able to do that, that's when I'll be pretty happy. Changing, being able to help improve the lives of others, maybe not change the life, but improve the lives of just one person, that's a domino effect for generations, right? And if I'm able to see that change in my lifetime, I'll be extremely happy. Um, so if I sell Moolah for whatever much I sell Moolah for IPOs or whatever happens, that dollar amount, that's not going to bring me happiness. It rarely brings anybody happiness. I mean, what if you lost great relationships along the way just because you were chasing a dollar sign? You look back and be old and rich and not have anybody to spend time with. That's horrible. But what will really bring me happiness is being able to find, get to that North Star where I'm like, you know what? What brings me fulfillment, I'm able to achieve now. So that's what I look forward to. Hopefully, maybe sometime in my 30s, I'll be able to get to that point. But that's what I look forward to. That's amazing. Let me know if I can help. That's a pretty incredible cause. And I would just follow up because I think I know the answer to this. But I, you, you were saying like, then you'll be happy. But I think I know you well enough that you will find ways to be happy along the way while still having that overarching goal, right? And I think that's kind of the point that I, I would always try to make to myself and other people is like, uh, like set goals, have huge goals, have ways of getting there, but you still have to like find that joy in the process of the day to day. Otherwise you're going to look back in the last 10, you're going to be in your thirties and maybe you've achieved this, but then you were like, but I was miserable along the way. Like, I think you can have your cake and yeah. eat it too. You can achieve these huge goals and you can also find joy in the process of each day in those steps to get there. And I, that's tough, but you're I think it's possible. On. You're spot on. I use the wrong word. I'll be satisfied. I'm not happy. I'll be satisfied. <laughs> happy and be happy along there the way. Is. Yeah. Can yeah. Hundred percent. Fulfilled, probably. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's incredible, man. I, I love yeah. that. I didn't. I didn't know that goal, but uh, it makes me admire you even more. So thanks for sharing that. Um, and actually, I had a question to ask you, and you you kind of alluded to it that you like you're thinking four years down the road and all these things. I'm and you just talked about it a little bit, but. I, I wanted to ask, like, where do you see yourself in 10 years? I know that's a long time, but mm. if, like, if everything, like, kind of works out the way you're looking at it and, you know, whatever, like. Two see... and a half, four-year segments. Ooh, okay. You make me think far out, man. <laughs> I know. I, I almost did five, but I was like, no, I want to hear 10. I can't even decide what I want to do next weekend, man, <laughs> if I'm going to be here in Santa Barbara, L.A. Um, 10 years, 33 is this question, how, how do I get you the best answer to this question? Because there's a lot of ways to there, take it. I, I think whatever you prioritize in your life is what's going to come to mind first, and that, that's what I want to hear about. Oh, wow. Well, what came to mind first was kids and a wife. Okay, there you go. Enough, right? Yeah. Actually, I was like, well, how old, if I'm 33, how old will my kids be at that time? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what's going to mind. That's amazing. <laughs> Um, where do I envision myself? I mean, hopefully 10 years from now, I'll have done what I've mostly needed to do on the business since. Um, 
obviously that's a high bar to set for yourself, which can induce a lot of stress. Sometimes people set tire minds for themselves like that. I'm very cognizant of that. But where I would love to be is to be in a position where I'm financially comfortable enough and have time enough to raise my children however much I want to spend time with them wise, right? If they have, if I drop them off at school and then maybe there's a volunteer at the school thing and then there's after school practices for sports, I can do all of that if I, if I want to and need to. So that's goal number one. And I'd say uh, number two, happy, healthy family. That's, that's the big things in life. I think that's, that's the most important. The business stuff, hopefully I'll be able to take care of that as a subsequent factor. But those are the two North Stars that I have for 33 years old. The ripe old age of 33. Man, you are every, like every answer you give, I'm like, he can't impress me or be any more wise for his age than he already seems to be. And then you just top it. Like to be at 23 with all of like the business side of things and whatever exciting things you have going on. Uh, but to make the answer what you did, I mean, that's, I'm telling you, like you may, you don't see it cause it's you and, and whatever, but that's, that's a really incredible outlook. And I think having that outlook is why you will be successful in everything else because it keeps you grounded in what's important. So I, I don't know what word is appropriate. Congratulations on just having, <laughs> having a really pretty incredible way of looking at things. I think it's, uh, it's inspiring. I think that's probably the best word for it. So um, before we wrap this up, which this has been, you know, not surprising to me, incredible conversation. You've shed some light on things in, in such an eloquent way. Um, but I would love to hear like advice that you might have for young people. So maybe like somebody in high school, which you're not that far removed from to be fair, but to mm -hmm. like maybe taking from things that you're glad you did things. Maybe you wish that you did through college and to where you are right now. It doesn't have to be profound, mm -hmm. you know, just what, what do you think? helped you and could help other people. So I was going to say to what you said about me having the mindset I do at my age, I'm pretty lucky. Uh, parents I've been brought up with, but also I'm the oldest of four kids. And uh, my youngest sister just started middle school. So I talk about this with her all the time. So anybody that's in high school or college, one of the biggest things is the anxiety through the roof because you don't know who you are yet, really. You're trying to figure that out right now. So what I wish I would have done differently. High school for sure, I wish I would have had more confidence, right? Hmm. Um, you're always good at beating yourself up in high school, which is just kind of natural. But having more confidence would be huge. Um, I think I was, I was pretty confident in myself, my capabilities and abilities to do things. And if I failed, I failed. Um, but socially, you know, I was always working towards confidence socially. And I think I kind of got to that in college, end of high school, maybe a little bit more. Um, just trusting yourself. You got to be able to trust yourself. That, that's what I would leave it at for high school and college. Trust yourself. And if you fail, it doesn't mean you're a failure. You're not good at something. It just means you just learned and you can do it better the next time. That's all that means. Um, you know, I, I hear some people talk about raising for a business. And they're like, don't take any money from people you know. I go, there's one way to look at it. It's completely valid. Another way to look at it is, yeah, you can take money from people that you know if they believe in you and you're completely confident in what you're going to provide. Um, and also, life doesn't end after this one business. People know if they're investing in you that, you know, the money they should 
no, it might not ever come back. But at the same time, if you're successful in the future, hopefully you have a good enough part to pay back those initial people that believed in you, man, no matter if they were invested in that second idea or not, right? So just trust in yourself, believe in yourself. Don't be afraid to fail at things. Failure is not a bad thing. It's just uh, especially at the young, the young age of 15 to 22, you should be failing. If you're not failing, you're just delaying the process a little bit for mm -hmm. yourself. As I touched on that in the valedictorian speech. If you're not failing, you're not really pushing yourself to your full capabilities. You're just staying in that comfort square. You're not, you're not pushing it enough. And my hope is, and, and that's something I focus on for myself because I, everybody likes to be comfortable most people like to be comfortable at least in one or one or two aspects of their life you know you might like being uncomfortable when you go to the gym because you know you're getting gains or whatnot but when it comes to business you're like ah, i don't really want to mess this up it might be the complete opposite right so being able to fail have the comfort to fail because you trust in yourself i think all those kind of fall in line i love it where do you think hard work falls into all of this Ooh, yeah, you know what? I've been thinking about this a lot recently because I don't really talk about hard work a lot. Yeah. Um, and that might be because I don't really look at myself as a necessarily hard worker. I just look at myself as someone that gets stuff done if it needs to be done. This is kind of how my I look at myself. Um, hard work. Hard work's... If, if I were to show you my phone home screen right now, it's Kobe Bryant. That's my idol. It's my icon. He put in, he worked harder than everybody else, right? And uh, killer mentality when it came to business and competitiveness. He's also a great father, right? He has a soft side to him. He was always learning. And I think for that mentality of hard work can lead to burnout a lot of times. But if you, are focused enough in getting and saying, I want to accomplish this in three months, six months, a year, two years. What are the tasks I need to get done to get to that objective? Let me get them done. If you think of backwards and then forwards instead of just working hard, mm. you're way more likely to avoid burnout and probably will be more efficient with your time, which is how I've tried to look at things. I burned myself out like crazy in college. Like I did that probably junior year of high school. I was burned out like crazy because I was working hard. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, maybe you get some things done, but you didn't get as much done as you could have while also having good mental health and mm -hmm. good stability. So that's where I think hard work falls into it. Just having objectives for the, what you want in the future, working backwards or what tasks you need to achieve to get to that objective and just getting them done. Get it done. Write it out and get the pleasure of checking off that box when you get it done. Yes, it it is a pleasure. I feel that too. You know, I again. So I, I love that answer because I it would have been so easy for you to say, yeah, you got to work hard. Like you just work hard every day, and that's just part of it. And instead, you gave such a nuanced answer with like a lot of context. <laughs> and burnout is a thing, but like you also do have to work hard. But finding ways to do that in a productive way. Um, very appreciated on that answer. My father is a very big work smarter, not harder yeah. type of guy. I get the he works hard. Yeah, I'm sure but... he does. And I get that impression from Paul too. I, I'm sure you, you've heard that kind of stuff from him too. But um, no, that's great. I, I, I could keep talking to you all day. I mean, everything you have to say is so 
in line with how I feel about life. So it's it's just like selfishly fun. Well, if for you me have another few couple of few questions, you might as well ask because what's you your know, skincare I have routine? More minutes now at this point. Shut up, man. <laughs> so I wake up every morning and I I, I source smell of air from the <laughs> from the Appalachian. Oh my goodness! No, it's actually a special blend of high mountain and low mountain aloes that we. Is bring that together. what it is? Is that what it is? Yeah, no, no, no. I bet. I bet. Um, when are you heading back to LA? When are you finishing your apprenticeship here? I'll be back in LA late full time late summer. Um, that's when I'll be moving back full time. Do you have any aspirations of doing create like so? You're working in the creative entertainment space, but you're not doing creative work with moolah so do you i mean to be everything has creative elements I, to it but you know what i, I mean? argue not, against that. no i know i i would too but what i mean is i think even accountants and people have to be creative to be truly good at their job what i'm saying is like do you see yourself doing creative work like in the more traditional sense of the word creative film yeah or yeah yes, anything I know what you mean. creating something I know exactly like that. what you mean i, I know you it. do <laughs> My, my friends from high school, if you meet my friends from high school, um, this happened all the time in college when I would revisit the hometown, but people would go, how's film school, Christian? Because <laughs> that's what I did all through college, or high school, I was film, it's film oh, buff. Okay. Yeah. I remember spending my lunches, because we would compete in these, co- these nationwide competitions sometimes, and I remember spending some lunches analyzing the coloring on La La Land and how they communicated parts of the story. Yeah. Nerdy stuff. No, right? it's great. And... Um, and my friends are like, Christian, you're going to get back into film. We're going to get it. We're going to get you back into film. But uh, when I went to LMU, my plan was to do entrepreneurship at a school that had a good film program because I wanted to have my own production company when I was older. That was my goal. Mm-hmm. Will I get back to that? I don't know. I, I feel pretty fulfilled on the creative front with uh, problem solving and UX design at this point. Yeah. But... Uh, Maybe maybe down the line when I have some loose nickels to throw at stuff, that, that could be a good use of time. I'll say this, though. When I come back in the fall, we're doing a program and partnering with this group called Sola Impact. And a friend of mine, his name is George Hofstetter. He has a company called GH Tech. And we're doing this new media moguls program where we're going to bring in a lot of the big media and tech companies from the west part of L.A. They're generating all this income in the culture and media capital of the world and we're bringing them to students in south los angeles that operate in, in internet deserts where they don't have wi-fi in the household and where this specific program is based there's like a 10 mile dead zone with no ap course offerings wow so we're going to offer a course there that talks about all the different all the new career opportunities and verticals in the media in the new media space right which is kind of what moolah targets and also try to get them college credit for the work. So that's something that's created and trying to figure out how do we communicate these ideas to high schoolers wow. and then also bringing great guest speakers to kind of educate them on these topics. So that's something I'll be working on when I get back to. That's amazing. I mean, congratulations on that endeavor. That's talk about important work. Uh, wow. Well, what else does this guy do? I mean, my goodness, he just, every, <laughs> like, I don't even know how there could be more, but um i uh i was gonna ask you something that you were just talking about and now i can't remember what it was but um 
It's been it's been an, an incredible conversation. Oh, I was going to say maybe in 10 years, I asked you what you're going to be doing in 10 years. Maybe you'll be running your own production mm. company. You never know. Life happens fast, man. Who knows, man? It does happen fast. It does. It does. Maybe we'll be starting up uh, the DMCJ production house together. Man. Who knows? Dude, you want to do that? I'm there, man. Let me know. We'll make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make it happen. Yeah. Call me in 10 years or five Not a bad idea. or three. Yeah. There's, there's something, there's something or, there. Or like six it. months. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, well, cool. Well, so where can people find Moolah and you on internet or social media or anything you want to share? Yeah, so you could find Moolah online at Moolah Finance. Um, the that's our socials, so our Instagram and our TikTok, M U L A, super simple, four letters, and finance. And then our website, Moolah.me, super easy again. M U L A period M E, easiest thing you could do. And uh, that name took me like a month to come up with. It's a good one. Raking my head, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, how do I get a nice tech company name, but also not too techy and also signals what the business is yeah. about. And that's what we landed on. That's good stuff. Um, that's great. And so basically, if you're like a creator and maybe just an entrepreneur and, and sort of on your own or very small startup situation, like this would be a pretty ideal customer for you is that is that yeah so our main target our our target customers and who we really really strive to provide good services for are individual creators right who are just balancing a bunch of different income streams online and then small production teams who have a lot of contracted works with the editors and the dps or anybody in that space that processes a lot of invoices a lot of different projects has a lot of different collaborators in that creative space because we automate 80% 80% of that, you turn all of it into taps and swipes. So if you spend more than 20 seconds on our platform managing your financial stuff, your business stuff, we failed at our job. That means our workflows weren't fast enough mm-hmm. for you. So I know the creatives, they like to focus on the creative mm-hmm. and the fun parts of stuff. So we take as much of that as we possibly can off their hands while still giving them the ability to be wise with what they're doing with their money. Cool. Well, if that sounds like it would make your life easier, check out Moolah because kind of sounds like it would make my life easier. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I promise you it would, Daniel. Yeah. As, po- as uh, this no, podcast no. blows up, yeah. you're going to need some editors and some clipping it's people. It's true. It's true. I've already run into that. It's like it takes way more time than you'd ever imagine to do any one of those individual things. And then it really adds up when you're trying to do so all of it. Time. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh, well, cool. Well, if anyone wants to learn more about Happy Not Satisfied, you can follow on Instagram at happy.notsatisfied or the website is happynotsatisfied.com. Uh, Christian, it has truly been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. I'm hoping that we can do this again because uh, it's been a very special conversation. So thank you so much. Likewise, man. This was fun. I'll do this again anytime. I'll do this again anytime. Let me know. All right. Sounds good, man. Take care. <laughs>